Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we'll be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wobshall, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport.nationalworld.com as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YP Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. And if you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as football talk podcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. Yorkshirepost.co.uk And this week we saw Middlesbrough claim a fantastic 4-0 victory over high-flying Sunderland. Uh, Hull City shed the points when they played out a 2-all draw against Millwall. Barnsley claimed three points in a late 1-0 victory over Exeter City. Harrogate Town claimed a much-needed 2-1 win over Newport County. And Doncaster Rovers fell to a 1-0 defeat away at Stockport County. Now... We start in the Premier League with Sheffield United, who, following their 2-0 defeat against West Ham, fell to a 3-1 defeat when they paid a visit to Craven Cottage, which saw Blades captain Chris Basham suffer a severe leg injury, which required uh, play to be stopped for 13 minutes during the first half. Uh, This means Paul Heckingbottom's men are still without a league win this season, uh, and now with the international break coming up, what do you think the team will have to do to try and kickstart the season when they return now that Chris Basham uh, is out for a considerable amount of time, Stuart? Um, well, they, you know, as as is the way, I suppose, when you when you bottom the league, they need they need work at both ends of the field, really. Um, obviously, losing Basham is a is a big blow in itself because still on the back of uh, John Egan being out injured, that that's why that's why Basham was captain on on the day. Um, so that 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 leaves them short, and, and you know that notwithstanding, they've been uh, we've talked this season how they've been a bit too leaky at, at the back at times, and the sort of um, attacking verve that we we saw uh, against Everton on uh, on Cameron Archer's debut, they've not been able to um, to recapture that since. So um, they just need to. They just need to put in, a, put in a lot of hard work, you know, make the most of what they've got. They're having some some bad luck at the moment. I mean, they have they have, have got Ray and Brewster back from injury, but it does it does feel as though it, there's this constant stream of, of bad news. And they've got some tough games when they come back. You know, they they return with with Man United and Arsenal, but you know, we 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 do remember that it was uh, it was Man United they beat uh, last time they were in the Premier League uh, to to get themselves up and running. So so all's not lost in that respect, but they, they need to they need to believe in themselves and they need to find a bit more a bit more cohesion and confidence than they've got right now. I think they've just got a it, it is early season, Stuart relatively we're in, you know, still in October the second international break, but they've just got to batten down the hatches for me and, and even though it's this early and just hang in there. You know, mm. you, you mentioned the games that they've got a, a little bit further down the track. The games that, that stick out for me, they've got Wolves at home, they've got um, uh, Bournemouth at home, and uh, I think they've got Burnley as, away as well. You know, in the context of the season and the um, teams around them in the table, they're, they're just simply huge, aren't they? You know, it's, it's the phrase six points. 
and it's a six pointer with a with a capital S really some of those and um, yeah I mean I even th- you know success success for me and every Sheffield United fan you know fourth on bottom would be a, a remarkable and outstanding achievement you know we'll maybe go on to speak about Rotherham as well in the championship you know you, you can't underestimate what, you know what sort of achievement that would be and um, you know for the minute you know Sheffield United they've just got to dig in and just try and give themselves um, hope from somewhere you know at the minute they'll be coming in after the games you know realistically they'll be looking to see what the teams are, above them have done and you know minding that gap already you know between themselves and and fourth and, and fifth Botman I sort of even think that you know, if Sheffield United get to January, then they can address things we spoke about um, the deficiencies in defence and how how thin they are, and they left themselves, you know, um, with not too many options, you know, from from the summer window when obviously the priority of getting a replacement for Berg and um, on for die as well, and you know, so they did that to a fair degree in bringing Hay um, and Archer in, but always looked like defensively exposed by you know the injury to uh, to Egan and, and now Basham and if they could get to January and even if they're in the sort of I think it's a fair chance they'll be in the, the bottom three as long as the gap's not too uh, not too vast they've got an inkling of hope and they can hopefully address things in, in the window I think the, the sort of pragmatic Blades fans um, may take that I mean it is you know it's, it's it's October we're not in November yet and it's it's purely a season of survival and control from bottom yeah, and I think along the along the same vein, Leon's obviously right to to highlight those games. I think it's important that Sheffield United go into that that Wolves game with a you know without too much psychological damage. Um, yeah, with something exactly. You know, if they have if they have performances against Man United and Arsenal like they did against Man City and and Spurs, they can go into that game. You know, believing a bit. If they go into those to that game on the back of two performances like they had at Newcastle, yeah. they're on a hiding to nothing. So, you know, irrespective of results, they obviously need results. Um, you can't sort of wipe them out of the the equation. But in terms of in terms of that Wolves game, they they just need to have something to cling to. It's in terms of believing that they can they, they can do something because um, I say it, it is early it is early days, but. Things can slip away from you if you if you just allow them to, and you just you know write off certain games and, and, and focus too much on others. So they've they've just got to got to knuckle down in these next two games. As I say, we we've seen we've seen Manchester United suffer plenty of uh, of results you wouldn't have expected. Sheffield United have done it in the past, so it's not it's not an unwinnable game by by any stretch of the imagination or a game they can't take anything out of. Um, but as I say. I think I think most important is that when Wolves comes around, they believe they can they believe they can do something, and then of course they follow through and do it. Yeah, I sort of look a little bit further, Stuart. The games the games until the turn of the year at home, you know, Wolves, Bournemouth. Um, I'm looking down here, um, Brentford, Luton. You know, to uh, got to get some hope and a yeah. and a, a decent amount of. And uh, next we turn to the Championship and start with Leeds United, who followed up their 1-0 victory over QPR with a well-fought 2-1 victory over Bristol City. This is the first time the Whites have recorded back-to-back victories since November 2022. 
Um, the Whites opened the scoring after Jorginho Rutter was able to find Dan James with, um, with a ball across the six-yard box in the first half before Joel Pirro added to his goal tally in the second half to regain the lead and ultimately secure all three points. Um, now, I know that you've both seen Leeds United perform since we last covered them uh, on the podcast. So what did you think of the performances and how do you feel they're progressing going into the international break, Leon? Yeah, I think they did. Did what they had to do. I, 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 Stuart was at the QPR game, and by all accounts, it wasn't a um, a brilliant spectacle. But Leeds were Leeds were comfortable and um, got an early goal, and probably should have been more against um, a side who have struggled this this season. Um, and Bristol City brought a little bit more to the to the table. They've been they've been decent away from home. I don't think they were quite at the best. Um, you know, I've seen them one or two times, Bristol City of the, of the past year, and a very good counter-attacking side. But um, they were they were pretty quiet and inhibited by the by the standards at, at Leeds. And you know, to be fair, I think that's. Um, I don't think uh, uh, Bristol City were brilliant on the day. I, I think Leeds negated them, you know, really well, and um, it was it was a good good performance. And I, I think the encouraging thing for me was that um, yeah there were some good individual contributions um, I thought Archie, Archie Gray was was great at right back he, he just showed he got another string to his bow and you know what a magnificent young footballer he, he is and um, you know it's it's daft to think that he's only 17 because he plays with such a, a maturity and um, you know, apparently it was a late decision as well um, asking him to, to play there and he it was a good battle on paper with Sam Bell, who's a very good young player as well, and um, Dre won that hands down. Um, Georgino Rutter, for the second sort of Saturday at, at Ellen Road, he, you know, he missed a, a, a hell of a chance, but dusted himself down. The fans saw his name and you know got back on message, and you know his, his approach work and some of his assist play was was great, and um, you know he. He contributed. Joe Perel got his goal, a well-taken goal. I just think across the pitch, there was a sort of thinking about it on the day. And um, Mesley, I didn't have much to do with that said, but sort of across across the board, it was you know it was sevens out of tens all pretty much all all the way through. You know, Sam Byron made a couple of really good blocks, and it was just that consistency that that you need. And you know, Leeds are, are doing what they have to do. The building. Incrementally, incrementally, they're in a, a good place. They manage well, and um, you know, I sort of look at them, and there's a bit of a. It, it is early days, you know, with tables and things, but there's still, you know, there's a bit of a bit of a gap there that you know, fair play to Leicester and, and Ipswich, you know, they've they managed to uh, forge that themselves. But I sort of think if there's a team that I would be worried about beneath, then it would it would definitely be Leeds for for a lot of reasons. They're showing that consistency on the road. You mentioned two on the, on the back-to-back wins for the first time in nearly a year. I, I think I put it in my report. But you have to go back to the promotion season, the end of it. Last time they won three in a row at home. So they're getting their act together at, at um, Ellen Road. I think we've sp- spoken before about how teams coming to frustrate and low blocks and, and all that thing. And Leeds are, are finding a way through. And you, know, you look at what they've got on the bench. You know, Bamford, and, um, you know, Geldart, um you know, Cooper, good players to to come in, and they're building a nice spine there with you know the Ampadus, Rodon, um, 
Pirro down the middle, and uh, yeah, I think everything everything is 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 set fair at the minute. They've um, got to grips with the the championship relatively quickly. They're in a, a pretty healthy position, and I think they've a lot to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, I think it's probably fair to say they they could could have won both of those games more comfortably. But but to me, the most important thing is Leon mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago. There will be wobbles along the way, and then lo and behold, you know they concede three first half goals at Southampton, and they've recovered. They've recovered really well from that. That's yeah. you know you talk about them not having back to back wins. They haven't suffered back to back defeats this season. That 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 was that was isolated and dealt with straight away because, as Leon said at the time, you do you get freak results all the time. Championship, you do have you know even the best teams having bad days, and it's a matter of of how you respond to it. And to you know to to knuckle down and get two two home wins, which you know won't be won't be on the on the top of the end of season DVD, but were you know important nevertheless. Um, is is what it's all about, particularly when you know you go into a game like the Bristol City game and you 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 know you you haven't got a right back. Um, you do you do you do encounter these problems, and it's just a, it's just a, about dealing with them calmly. Which is, you know, easier said than done when you're a, a big club with a big fan base, um, dealing with them calmly and just getting on with it. And you know, that's exactly what what Leeds United have done. You know, that thinking back to that QPR game, um, Bamford showed that he can really add a different dimension to Leeds. You know, Rutter has been very popular this season. He's done a lot of good things. There's been a few dodgy moments as well. But always, with always, when you've got a striker playing well, you, you want the alternative of someone who can come off the bench or come in from time to time if somebody needs a rest and just offer something different. And and you know, Bamford showed he could do that. And you know, th- they're doing all these things with you know Willie Nonto injured. You know, mentioned the problems at, uh, at right back and other issues. They just seem to be shrugging off these reasonably minor problems, but but problems nevertheless. And, and just getting on with the job, which at, at this time of year in particular is what it's all about. Yeah, they're in a, they're in a good place. I sort of look, you sort of look at the games um, further on the next block of games, Stuart. And I think I think the good the good tests, and we'll we'll learn a bit more about Leeds. They've, I think they've got three out of four, out of four away. Got to go to Norwich, which um, obviously there'll be a lot made of that in in, in Daniel Farker going back there. But um, Norwich has shown signs of. Of getting their act together this season under the David Wagner, and um, they've got to go to Leicester as well. You know, I think that's the last game before, um, or one of the last games before the next inter- international break. And um, you know, Leicester have, have blazed a trail, haven't they? And uh, you know, aside with we talk about this, the squad options that Leeds have got, and, uh, Leicester have got like, every bit more. But besides, really, they're really strong. So. You know, Farker, will, you know, he's a down-to-earth guy. He's grounded, and um, you know, he'll he'll have those tests on on the on the horizon. I think he'll quietly think to himself, you know, just where Leeds will be at by the time the the next international break comes. You know, if um, you know if they've got say four points from those two tests, or even a win, you know, they're in um, they're in really really good heart. So. Yeah, they're they're building nicely, Leeds, and um, yeah, these games, um, these next set of games, will be will be really um, intriguing. Mm. 
Yeah, you're right. They will. They will tell us a lot. I mean, this this block we've just been through has sort of been the block where they've sorted out their home form, isn't it? This, you know, this next block we'll learn a lot about the character away from home in some in some tough games. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But as yeah. as I think both of us have been saying for a while now, we're fairly confident that Leeds Leeds are on the right track. It's just a matter of of sticking to it, really. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next, our attention turns to Huddersfield Town, who clashed with Sheffield Wednesday and had to share the points after playing out a nil-nil draw. This means that Sheffield Wednesday are still searching for their first win of the uh, of the season, and the Terriers are only three points above the drop zone. Um, firstly, what were your thoughts on the game, and has there been any more news regarding Sheffield Wednesday's search for a new manager, Stuart? Well, on the game, it, it wasn't a classic. I've got to be honest with you, I've seen, I've seen better donuts in my time, but... Um, it was kind of, it was kind of a bit of what both teams wanted. I mean, what what they really needed was, was a win for each of them. But uh, for Sheffield Wednesday, um, you know, without a manager and in the in the run of form they're in, three three straight defeats and three really poor ones as well. Clean sheet was important for them, and, and likewise for Huddersfield coming on the back of a four one defeat at, at Birmingham, they needed to needed to steady the ship as well. I say they they, they both need more, obviously. Huddersfield in particular, I think, need to sort of work out things in the attacking sense a bit better. They're, they're obviously without Danny Ward at the moment, which doesn't help. But, um, you know, they need to find a, a few solutions. Uh, for Sheffield Wednesday, it's all a case of what happens next, really. I mean, the the the, the mood music seems to be that um, Danny Roll, the, the, the German coach who was, uh, we understand, was interviewed for the job when Chisco Munoz got it, uh, that, that he's he's in a very strong position to get the job, and it, it just seems to be a matter of just thrashing out the actual details. So that'll be an in, an interesting appointment. But but really for them, things are just on hold, and we're kind of waiting to see waiting to see what direction that club's going in. Huddersfield have, have taken their new course, but they're not they're not very far down it. They're only they're only four games in, but you know nevertheless that's that's four games without a win, and that's something. That's something Darren Moore will need to put right. They've got they've got back to back home games when they come back from the international break, and I think he's got to spend a lot of time at Canal side between now and then, working out how they can pose more of a threat in open play, which has been a theme for Huddersfield for for quite a long time now. I and mean, you could argue even in the even in the third place season at, under Carlos Corbran, they were perhaps too reliant on on set pieces for the goals, but at least at least there's that defensive foundation of of his uh, of his first clean sheet as manager. Yeah, I think I think it's well timed um the Brightfield is field, isn't it, Stuart? Um, mm. Yes. You know, like, you know yeah, Darren Moore, you know, he sp- speaks a lot about really, you know, craving that time on, on the on the training ground, you know, one on one level with, with the players and you know, when he when he first sort of came in the schedule, you know, he, he, he was it was thrown into it in some respects, wasn't it? But now he's he's got that little bit of a breather. You know, but the players working with him, you know, through the working week and really getting to know what he's what he's about and his and his ethos. And um yeah, you look at you look at the games, I think it's three out of four at home, so you know, that's something that um that Moore will, will certainly embrace. I think he's only had one home game in four as well, hasn't he so far? Well, to be fair, it was a very good performance against um, against Ipswich. Yes, I mean, I think when you look at Sheffield Wednesday, they're just you know this this next block of games before the the sort of November break. They've just got to somehow 
give themselves hope. They've got a you know, they've got a huge derby with Rotherham. I think that's at the end of the month. Isn't it? Um, that, that's just uh, just looks a, a huge game on on paper potentially for for both clubs. And um, yeah, I mean, it, like, obviously, you know, the Rome Rome's the big favourite for it. And, um, you know, if he does, he's, he's not a novice at championship level. He's, he's going to have to come up to speed really quickly. Um, because, you know, you sort of think it, it, Sheffield Wednesday don't sort of get, get one or two wins in this sort of next block of games. They're going to be really sort of, you know, cast adrift. And was it now? It's like seven or eight points already. That um, I know, it, I know it, he can be can be turned around. There's plenty of time, but they'll be uh, they'll be mindful and um, and uh, looking at that. Um, yeah, I think they've got three out of four away as well when it starts up again Wednesday. So that's that's sort of the opposite of, of, of Huddersfield, and they've got some you know long trips to Birmingham and Bristol City. And uh, yeah, I mean, but whether it's Rome or whoever it is, whoever comes in, they're going to have to hit the ground fast and and, um, and get a winner too. Yeah, I mean, whoever it is could have done with that same training time you've just been talking about with regards to Darren Moore. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a pity they weren't able to get something done more quickly because particularly yeah. if it. Particularly if it is role or or anyone who's who's new to Championship football. I mean, Roll had a spell uh, working on Southampton's backroom staff, so he's not entirely new to English football. But it, it's the kind of it's quite an exciting appointment if that's what happens. But it's the kind of appointment I I feel anyway is is best made in the summer to give someone a pre-season. Mm-hmm. You know, when they not only when they're new to the division, but when they're you know presumably going to try and change things quite a bit. I mean, it can work. It ha- it worked for for Michael Carrick at, at, at Middlesbrough last season, but there's probably more examples of it not working. You know, people like Mark Fotheringham coming in with a similar background during the season at Huddersfield. It's a, it's a difficult ask for someone who doesn't doesn't have that experience to, yeah. to come in, get used to a new set of players. You know, whoever it is is going to have to make the mind up about whether they want to bring Marvin Johnson back into the fold. They've got Lyle Taylor on on trial at the moment. Um, at least I presume he's still on trial. He was he was at the end of Moon off this time, so there might be a decision to be made there. Um, and and generally, you've just got to assess the squad. So it, it's a real pity that they weren't able. You know, the, the talk about the talk about role has been fairly consistent and say who knows by the time this podcast comes out there may have been a decision it may have gone another way but it seemed like they were pretty keen on him from very early on it's a shame they weren't able to move a bit quicker because I think they've they've only had two players away on international duty one of those Delgado has come back injured already um, unlike for the Premier League clubs and some of the top end championship clubs you like to lead or what have you there's a lot of players to work with in this fortnight and it would have been really valuable time uh, for somebody coming in, but I think I think we all know that uh, the course of football rarely runs smoothly or ideally at, at Sheffield Wednesday at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I think whoever comes, you just got to appreciative of the position they're in and, and respect the division. You know, all the talks about philosophies and plans, you know, that can for me that can sort of go out the window a little bit. You know, it's just dealing with the reality of what Sheffield Wednesday are in. You know, it? Um, there's obviously all this stuff off the field. You know, on it, it's been a real, real mess, and it's you know, it's been, you know, obviously had a record, club record, worst start of the season. But there's just been a lack of coherence in the play, and the players have looked confused. And you know, whoever comes in, they've got to. I think the last thing that Wednesday need is somebody to come in and just just you know bombard the minds. You know, 
um, tactically and everything. You just got to mm. just got to get down to brass tacks and sort of keep it keep it simple, really. You know, it's um, you know if they play if they play some nice football, it's it's a real bonus. They need to you know sharpen up at both ends of the pitch. And the manager needs to he needs to just quickly hone in on the on the starting eleven what he what he wants and what he can what he can trust really and and just try and try and make it si- simple and also I think there's a big man, man management element as well you know lifting spirits you know the players have just been just been on the floor haven't they you know there's all sorts of things going on um, you know they're, they're a real mess and they um, the, you know they just need someone who can sort of lift them sort of mentally and um, just get it get an easy to follow game plan. The, the players there are going to buy into very good because you know as it's sort of said that the, the clock is is starting to tick and you know, Wednesday don't get a win before the next international break or we up till then it's about 15 16 games isn't it you know mm. and, um, that's a serious you know, it's a third of, third of the season so um, yeah I just hope I, I hope they're not too sort of um, funky and clever with this appointment I, I think they Personally, I just think they, they just need to think short term and just get a, a sticking plaster in almost and just get them through to the season. And knows it's probably about Sheffield United finishing fourth and bottom. That'll do, you know, um, not ideal for a club Sheffield Wednesday side, but, you know, in, in the position, it's pragmatic. And this season's all about staying up. Yeah, and, and that was the thing about that game against uh, Huddersfield Town. You know, Neil Thompson came in as caretaker manager, not for the first time. And it was just a, just a, a lesson in common sense. You know, yeah. he, he he picked he picked the players he knew, um, he you know and trusted. Asked them to play in the way that they'd been playing under under Darren Moore. You know, all the focus was on 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 getting a clean sheet, and there was no sort of no pretenses, no as as Leon says, no sort of high minded philosophies or anything like that. It's just look, we're <laughs> we're in the we're in the brown stuff yeah. right now. We we I can't be worrying about you know people's egos. If they if they're left out of the squad or whatever, I can't be too high-minded about how we're going to, we're going to play. We've just got to stop this run of defeats, and if we can go beyond that and get a win, you know, so much the better. But you know, they couldn't as it, as it turned out, and, and that's that's what the new guys got to uh, got to think about really, um, and not too much more. Which is which is I say why personally, I mean, we did, we obviously discussed this. Um, before personally, I'd be looking for someone with with more of a more of a track record at that level. But you know, we'll we'll wait and see what happens. Just because somebody is young and and, and new to the division doesn't mean that they're not intelligent enough to lean yeah. on people like Neil Thompson and what have you. So it's not it's not a given that you know an experienced manager will necessarily do things the right way and an inexperienced manager will do things the wrong way. But I think whoever comes in needs to have a good chat with Neil Thompson. About what's there at this football club, what's needed in this division, and how to go about things. And Leon's absolutely right. If they, you know, if they play the worst football in the history of Sheffield Wednesday, but they stay in the division next season, I think most supporters will take that from from where they are right now because they're facing a bit of an uphill ta- challenge already. Mm. Yeah, I think the supporters are, are, are pretty pragmatic to it, Stuart. Mm. You know, historically talk of Sheffield Wednesday playing a certain way and you know we all remember the, 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 the times of plenty under under Ron Atkinson and there you know, was some great football but it, it, they're in the they're in the here and now they're in reality and um, you know I sort of look at that that game against Huddersfield obviously it was a 
wasn't a great spectacle. But, you know, it's small, small wins, small gains. And, you know, a first clean sheet at home, OK. You know, it's not a first, first win, which is what everybody, you know, wants to connect with Wednesday. But at least it's sort of something, isn't it? You know, they've got, they've kept, a, you know, a clean sheet at home um, and got something. So I think that's, that's the way they've, they've, um, they've got to, they've got to think, you know, it's sort of small incremental steps to hopefully grow the confidence and uh, like I say the next block of games they'll be wanting some some more hope there in terms of in terms of a, a winner to obviously Watford and Plymouth you know two two long trips there you know sometimes that can sort of you know bond bond a few players a couple of games being away sometimes that might not necessarily be too bad of a thing for somebody coming in but um, it'll look a lot better if Wednesday can get a win from some. Yeah. yeah, and of course they they got the clean sheet. They had no Bannon and Windus, so immediately yeah. they get free. You've, you've got a bit more about you in an attacking sense. Um, so yeah, I mean certainly certainly all is not lost, but um, they do need to go about things in in the right way. And it'll be a big test of whoever comes in uh, to say just concentrate on the fundamentals and worry about adding you know the stardust down the line. And finally for this week, we turn to Rotherham United, um, who were able to claim a point when they played out a one-all draw against a dominant Southampton at St Mary's. Um, This sees the Millers still in the relegation places and four points from safety. Um, With all the talk that we've had this week about managerial changes, do you think that Matt Taylor could be the next one who is starting to feel the pressure to secure results, uh, Leon? Well, there'll there'll be a bit... A bit of noise if if he doesn't get to get a win or two in this next block of games. But realistically, I don't think he should be. I mean, I think he's doing um, all he possibly can. He's had no luck um, for me whatsoever in the you know the opening part of the season. You, know, you think of some of the calls I've had, um, um, refereeing calls. The you know the, the, the wretched one they had against um, Blackburn. That you know they should have you know, that would have given him a hell of a chance if it had not happened to to win that game. And you, know, you look at their injuries as well, especially in the back. You know they've not been able to to um, sort of play a, a settled back four all season. And the main problem is it's just been at centre half as well. With injuries all over the place. We've got Campbell and Bizarre at the minute until the new year. Tyler Blackett's also got a, a a bad one with a hamstring. They've had Lee Peltier out. Um, fortunately, he's he's come back and um, and uh, Grant Hall as well. They've had that to contend with, and then there's the division as well. Yeah, you know, the Rotherham squads, some of the early games of the season, couldn't even fill a, fill a bench, and you know, just just you've got to feel sorry for for Taylor. Really, he's doing all all he can. He's a long a young manager still learning on the job, and that's that's what made the I suppose it was the championship all over, wasn't it? Rotherham going to Southampton, you know, showing signs of getting the form again. Two good wins. I think everyone in the country would have had it down as as a as a home win on the on the coupon with Rotherham having lost all the away games and lo and behold they somehow dig in and, and get a get a brilliant away point at the first of the season and uh, yeah I was I was pleased for the Taylor who was who was doing it, you know, really tough after the Bristol City game in midweek. You know, another example is Rotherham were, you know, in the game for, for pe- fair parts of that, but I just felt that the bench Strength of Bristol City proved too strong as it um, as it did. I did the home game against Leicester, 
in in August, and and that was the same really. They just got got worn down, and um, yeah, I think everybody everybody needed that. It's um, it's rather. I, I I did a piece this week, and I, I mean, some people may agree with it, some people won't. I, I just think there's there needs to be needs to be you know a certain amount of realism with Rotherham. Yeah, they finished you know nineteenth last season. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, why, you know, we look at what Coventry and Luton have done. They've come up and they've, they've, they've sort of stayed up, and then they've they've grown in, incrementally. But it's it's so hard to do that for uh, for Rotherham in terms of you know the wage structure with the pay. Um, and you look at the, the the championship this season. You know, there's teams who with the parachute money, but there's a lot of other teams who were who were having more of a goal this year as well. The likes of you know Birmingham. But, for one, they've been taken over, and uh, you know Cardiff bringing in Aaron Ramsey. So there's not too many clubs that are in the sort of same same boat as as Rotherham. In, in some you know, in some respect, we're in a bit of a a bit of a club of one. And you know, in years gone by, they've had you know clubs. I don't know, like you know, better now being say sort of clubs of a similar sort of size who've been sort of in the mix and competing with them. But there's not too many of them. I mean, I don't really think of perhaps Plymouth but you know even they're, they're spending you know quite a bit of money and uh, you know there's a lot of you know a lot of ambition on the uh, in the southwest there for them to, to consolidate so yeah I just think if Rotherham can mention about uh, Sheffield United if they can somehow finish fourth on bottom it's been another another great season for them they obviously stayed up last year and deservedly so and um, you know there was everyone was there was a, t- a togetherness and a, a defiance, and that's what they're going to need this time around. And they showed a little bit of that at, at Southampton. And you know, great for the away fans who went down there. They've, I don't think Robin away Southampton since 1966, so they've all had a had a good day and something to to cheer about there. And um, yeah, if, if Rotherham are going to achieve the aims for me, it's going to be everyone's going to have to be together and sing from the on the same you know hymn sheet and. Looking at the games there, they've got one or two before the next one. The huge mentioned the huge game at, at Hillsborough. Got QPR as well, and um, I, I think the spirit and the characters there. They just need, you know, they could have to do with a, a little bit of a look or a, a, a break or two. And um, yeah, it sounds like they had one at least at Southampton. They got battered in the first half, but took the punches. As Taylor's been, he's sort of spoken about the importance of that sort of showing that strength in, in tough in tough spells. And uh, showing a strong jaw, and they, and they did that. You know, great equaliser from George Bugle, and uh, you know, psychologically, an, an excellent point. Yeah, Leon's piece was absolutely spot on. I mean, there's no sort of hard and fast rule as to as to how patient or impatient you should be with managers. But for Rotherham yeah. and the situation they're in after what Matt Taylor did last season, they've got to they've got to stand by him. You know, they've got to stick with him. And I, I don't think there's any suggestion from the club that, that they're wavering. I think. It, you know, it's just inevitably that somebody's always in the spotlight. And in Yorkshire terms, it's Matt Taylor now that Mark Hughes and, and Chisco Munoz has gone. That That's the reality of it. But, you know, I think I think we've seen enough from that group and from that manager, you know, over the, over the past, what, 12 months we're talking now, to know that there's something there worth sticking with. And, and you know, as, as, as we've said repeatedly over this podcast, it seems to have been the theme of this podcast, you know, just doing enough is going to be a good achievement for yeah. for Rotherham this season because of those you know financial disparities that that Leon's laid out. You know, 
we live in the real world. And, and I think, in all honesty, the majority of Rotherham fans understand that. And, and I don't think there's the, you know, impatience and, and twitchiness that you get at some other clubs. There's obviously some. It's you know, it's followed by human beings. But I, th- I think there's I think there's a greater realism at, at Rotherham as to where they are. And you know, as Leon says, the, the, there's great spirit in the group. But the, but there is more than that as well. I mean. You know, as you mentioned, they, they got battered in the first half against Southampton. But one of the reasons they only con- conceded once is because they've got one of the best goalkeepers in the championship. You know, Victor Johansson is a huge asset for that football club. And uh, if Jordan Hugel keeps scoring uncharacteristic Jordan Hugel goals, that's that's two out of three now being absolute stonkers. We're going to have to rethink what a characteristic Jordan Hugel goal mm, is. Yeah. He's, he's, he's starting to make a bit of a... Bit of a habit of these great goals, but yeah, when you when you've got when you've got Johansson at one end and you, you know you've got Hugo able to able to contribute like that at the other, there's something there to work with and something worth sticking with. And we, you know, we've always said that Rotherham's biggest problem is going away. That sort of added to the importance of getting a draw at Southampton. But the beauty is, I mean, again, it's been a theme of, of sort of um, imbalanced fixture lists. Rotherham's next four games, they don't leave South Yorkshire. So, you know, they've got some tricky opponents coming up, but but this is a time to really, you know, make some make some ground up and uh, and put a marker down. But I think whatever happens, uh, I think they've got they've got a manager there to to invest in. They clearly think so because they've you know they've supported him in the transfer market. They've stuck by him so far. I, I see no reason why they won't continue to do so. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Stuart's right as well. I think there's. Um, you know, the vast majority of the Rotherham supporters are, you know, very realistic uh, to the position that they find themselves in. And uh, I, I sort of harken back. I'm old, old enough to remember um, in the early noughties and uh, Rotherham went up at, at, uh, under Ronnie Moore, back-to-back promotions. They've been out of the second tier for about 20 years. And you know, the first season, they stayed up on goal difference. And uh, there were, uh, it was a time there were a few... We'll talk about similar clubs to Rotherham. That was a time in the championship when there were there were the likes of Grimsby, Gillingham, um, Walsall, a few others as well, Stockport, and the only managed to stay up on goal difference. But the thing I remember about that season is just that everyone was, you know, the players were together. They all had each other's backs. You know, every time you went to Millmore, the, the crowd bought into it, and it was a season when they had some bumps in the road. Like I said, they only just managed to stay up on on goal difference, but. You know, it was a real collective achievement, you know, at the end of that season when they stayed up. And, uh, you know, in some respects, easier than now, considering that, you know, some of the clubs um, around them. But, you know, there was a real gladness at being there and in the second tier. And, um, you know, Rotherham's still got to have that now. I know they stayed up last year, but, you know, it's got to have that, a big sense of perspective. Everyone's got to, you know, every home game that's... Uh, you know, across the, the dual carriageway of the New York, you know, it's got to be, it's a bit of a cliche, but give that 12th man, man element to, to, to the Rotherham players who, you know, need, they need everything they've got considering what they're, what they're coming up against. And, um, you know, hopefully in that regard, the game at, uh, away at Southampton, it, it was a bit of a rewind for me. And uh, they can sort of harness that, bottle it, and, um, sort of use it for the rest of the season. And, and Leo mentioned Luton and Coventry and how that sort of, you know, raised expectations in some people's minds as to what's possible on a small budget. But, you know, people have got to bear in mind that 
what Luton and Coventry did last season. It wasn't a one-year job. You know, they built towards that under under Mark Robbins at Coventry, under Luton, uh, under Nathan Jones at, at Luton, built on by people like Rob Edwards. It wasn't it wasn't simply some uh, you know one season where everything clicked. It was a slowly a slow build of you know developing a way of playing. You know, um, building up. Yeah. Of intelligence in the transfer market so that they get the right players in, getting good characters, and 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 that is the part that that Rotherham has to follow, and that's you know that's clearly what they were doing under Paul Wall. That's what they've that's what they've got to do again under under Matt Taylor. YorkshirePost.co.uk. Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobshall, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport at nationalworld.com, or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football, or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages, or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. As ever, many thanks for listening, look after yourselves, and bye for now.